So I got a question in the comments section regarding the gift of tongues and, uh, and I was asked if I could explain why it is that I think this gift is around today. Uh, and uh, <coughs> as the question went on, uh, you know, it was pointed out that a lot of times in charismatic circles, uh, you'll see um, people just sort of encouraged to uh, make sounds with their mouth and all this kind of thing. And, and uh, that's supposed to be indicative of the Holy Spirit giving them the gift of tongues and this kind of thing. Uh, I can certainly sympathize with that, um, sort of that kind of exposure in that. Um, I've often, uh, I've also, I should say, not often really, but I've, I've known people that, um, you know, kind of belong to charismatic churches where they're sort of encouraged to just kind of open their mouths and just start saying things and, and, and the Holy Spirit will kind of guide them into their prayer language, uh, practice your prayer language and, you know, practice speaking in tongues and all that kind of stuff. Um, you don't really see that in the New Testament, so I, I think that's kind of a pretty off-the-mark approach to the gift of tongues, and I think it leads to the kind of abuses that that, uh, uh, that are mentioned in that comment. Um, the gift of tongues, as we you know study 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, uh, is one that is given by the Holy Spirit. We see in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit gave utterance to the disciples, and they uh, spoke languages that were understood by all of those folks that had gathered and were named there in Acts chapter 2 who had come to Jerusalem on, uh, for Pentecost. And, uh, and, and the disciples were, were praising God and speaking of his great works and worship, you know, essentially uh, worshiping in these tongues, in these languages. Um, so we know that the gift is one that is given by the Holy Spirit. It's not something we practice or we muster up or we try to learn and that kind of thing. Um, not everybody has the gift of tongues. We know this uh, in uh, Paul's writing in that same section where he says, are, are all apostles, are all prophets, do all speak in tongues, do all prophesy? It's rhetorical. The answer is obviously intended to be no. And so not everybody has that gift, even though, again, in some charismatic circles, with respect to my charismatic brothers and sisters, um, there's uh, often a view that, um, that, that every believer should have uh, the gift of tongues. It's kind of the premier sign gift uh, that demonstrates you're genuinely a believer. And I would say, no, that's not biblically true. Um, matter of fact, uh, I don't speak in tongues, just, you know, in uh, the interest of transparency. I'm not trying to defend a gift that I purport to have. <coughs> my perspective on the gift of tongues is really a scripture based on scripture, not really based on my trying to defend having the gift. I don't. Um, so when the gift of tongues is used, uh, and, and by the way, it's probably worth pointing out, that Paul is has given us this uh, this uh, you know this meaningful explanation of the gift of tongues in correcting a church that had this gift in operation along with all the spiritual gifts, but they were very carnal. They were using the gifts in ways that were not edifying. They were uh, they were they were sectarian. They were selfish. They were self-centered. And so it's 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 no small coincidence, no coincidence at all, that Paul is talking about this. Uh, giving this instruction to a church that's very carnal. Uh, and that's, I, I think, why the chapter that is most associated with love, chapter 13, falls right in between chapters 12 and 14 because it is properly placed there because it reminds us of the motivation as to why, we, why we're given the gifts and why we ought to use the gifts uh, for the edification of the body, not for just our own edification. Certainly it's encouraging when God uh, you, you know, uh, does something supernatural in our lives and that kind of thing. Um, but it's really, the gifts are given for the edification of the body. 
even tongues, it's, it's explained that if you speak in a tongue and there's no interpretation, you might be edifying yourself, but you're not really edifying anyone else around you. And so therefore, if two or three speak and there's no interpretation, then let, let them be silent. And so um, there's nothing wrong with you if you have that gift, you know, praying in, in your room or, you know, or even in a, um, maybe a, you know, your church sets some time aside for the, the exercising of the gifts. Again, if it's done biblically and there's an interpretation in that, then this can be a beautiful thing. I've actually been in a service where um, where I've seen that, and it's uh, and I was encouraged by when interpretation was given. So um, now, is the gift for today? I just kind of spoke as though I'm assuming that it is. Well, I, I kind of tells you what side I'm on. There are basically two camps in this regard. One is called uh, what is what is what is known as the cessationist view, where the gifts have ceased. Uh, and so um, I'm of the other camp, uh, which would be known as a continuationist camp. I believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are around today, uh, just like they were in the first century. Typically, a cessationist will point to passages like uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 10, where it speaks about when that which is perfect or complete has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. And the complete there, the, the idea, uh, the focus of complete would generally in that view be held to be speaking of the completion of the canon of scripture once scripture is complete then there's no more need for like some of these signed gifts um, um, i i would argue against that point because there's nothing in first corinthians 13 that would lead you to believe that the word of god is intended to be the focus of that um, that which is perfect could refer to our glorified bodies it could refer to the coming of christ it could refer to when we're in heaven um, there's lots of things it could be that are no less possible than the idea, and I would argue probably more possible, than assuming that's intended to be speaking of the word. I don't really think that's clear from the passage. Um, the other reason that I personally think that the gifts are around today just like they were then is really twofold. One, there is no real clear passage in the New Testament that implies that they're going to end. Um, <coughs> and secondly because we are technically still living in the era that Peter introduced in Acts chapter 2. He spoke about, um, you know, we entered into essentially the church age, the period of time that is known as the last days, that ultimately culminates in the coming of Christ. And so um, we're not living in some different, we're, we're living in a different century, obviously, but we're not really living in a different period of time, biblically speaking, regarding, uh, again, being in the last days. And so this gift that was given to the first century church as a means of edification along with the other gifts something that was meant to build up the body uh, certainly would find a place in our day and again without a clear um, uh, teaching of scripture that says that it will for sure end at a certain time uh, except for when that which is perfect comes whatever that is intended to mean um, there's no reason to think that we should be any less benefited by that gift today and so the key here, uh, I think one of the key elements of in this discussion is that most often um, the, re the rejection of the idea of these gifts being uh, around today is because uh, they are, it is generally based on the fact that there are lots of abuses of it. And I would readily say there are lots of abuses of this. There's lots of things purporting to be spiritual gifts that aren't. Uh, but they're, you know, they're often used as a means of establishing status above other believers and that kind of thing. All of those things are wrong, which really gets me to the point in regard to the abuses of the gifts. The, the answer to that is not to assume the gifts are not for today, 
but rather to properly teach the gifts today, to give the proper biblical exegesis on these things, and to exposit these ideas soundly, biblically, so that when abuses come, a church is healthy enough to deal with those abuses when they come and stop those abuses. Again, let two or three speak, and if there's no interpretation, then let them be silent. Um, so, you know, um, all things should be done decently and in order. Um, so we, we recognize um, that the Bible does speak very clearly to this subject. As a matter of fact, Paul starts the discussion by saying, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant about these things. And so, um, so we ought to, instead of sort of just throwing them out and saying they can't be, rather instead teach what the Bible teaches about it soundly. And then if you're going to allow for the practice of the gifts, which again is because the Holy Spirit calls us to exercise decently and in order, it's not going to be interrupting services. You're not going to have crazy chaos. You're not going to have lunacy in the service uh, or anything like that, which again, Paul speaks to that in, uh, in the passages. But rather instead, what you can do is you can point out that this is what the Bible says about it. And when it's being practiced properly, then we can celebrate this and rejoice and be edified. But when it's being abused, then we're going to call it out and bring it to an end so that that abuse doesn't um, dishonor the Holy Spirit. It doesn't confuse people. It doesn't do the opposite of edifying. <laughs> but instead, um, we'll, we'll call it out so that it can be practiced and, and we can be known as a church that would monitor that to make sure it is done decently and in order. So um, so that's why I believe the gift is for today. Again, uh, I don't think there's any clear biblical um, uh, passages that make it, uh, that make a clear case for the ending of those things, for the ceasing of those gifts. But also I would suggest that, um, that in the same way that the first century uh, church was intended to be edified by these things, so too should we. So uh, for what it's worth, that's my opinion. Uh, you can agree or disagree with me on that. This is not something that believers have to be separated over, divided, arguing, fighting over. This is um, a peripheral, non-central doctrine. I don't say it's unimportant, but it's certainly not a central doctrine. No one goes to heaven or hell based on whether or not they think the gifts are for today. And so, therefore, uh, there's my answer. Hopefully you found it helpful. Hopefully it's uh, reasonable. And, uh, and as always, uh, the desire is to be biblical. So for what it's worth, there you go. And uh, Father, we do thank you for giving us... Um, Lord, your Holy Spirit, that he resides within believers and that we can know that we can, um, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the, and the sound teaching of the word of God, we can find ourselves walking in such a way as to honor you and to build up your church. And so we just pray that, Father, we would do that. We'd seek to do that. And we would always submit ourselves to you and to your word. Thank you, Father. We love you. And we praise you. And ask you, Lord, if you do have a spiritual gift that you can, that you would give us, that the Holy Spirit would give us for the edification of the body, then we would ask that you would anoint us in that way. And let us always have the right heart, a heart of love that seeks the benefit and the building up of others and not just ourselves and certainly not seeking our status. So thank you, Father. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name.